Welcome to Afternoon at the Museum, a production of IRETech Corp. And hello everyone on YouTube. Hello everyone out there in the Zoomiverse. It's Janine Stanley and we are here with Afternoon at the Museum from IRA. Today we are going to visit the Presidential Pet Museum with a special guest. So let me introduce everyone that we have here with us today. We have our lovely hostess, Miss Stephanie Watts. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Janine. Hi, everyone in the Zoomerverse. I love that. Uh, yeah, and that's YouTube, my staff. I like you, to make up a new word each each time. Right, Zoomerverse so. <laughs> and YouTube land. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Absolutely. We also have Ryan Bishop behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here on this Friday. Yeah. And our special guest today is from the Presidential Pet Museum, Mr. Andrew Hager. Hello, Andrew. Hello. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm glad to be going Zoomiversal. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I think you beat me on that one. So before we get going here and hop into the museum, oh, and we also have the most important person here, Agent Sierra. Hello, Sierra. Hello. Hey, Hello. everybody met Sierra last week at the San Diego Zoo, which was, we had way too much fun on that show. People. That was okay. so much fun. Great. <laughs> that was great. So Andrew, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your position with the Presidential Pet Museum, because this is this is kind of fun. One of our own, as they say. <laughs> yes, my name is Andrew Heger. I am the historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum. Uh, for a long time, I was a middle school social studies teacher, an English teacher, and I retired from that uh, in 2016. And I got a call from a friend who said, oh, hey, would you like to get paid to do some writing about history? And I said, I'd like to get paid. And <laughs> it turned out she was working for a guy who was taking over the Presidential Pet Museum, our director, Bill Hellman, and they brought me on. And uh, I, I'm so glad to be here today. Um, I, I'm legally blind. I travel with a guide dog named Sammy. He's a black Labrador retriever. I got him from um, Guide Dogs of America in Silmar, California. And um, so, you know, anytime I'm talking with people, uh, you know, in my community, it's it's especially uh, exciting for me. So I'm really happy to be here today. This is awesome. This program is ruled by Black Labradors. Ryan has a Black Lab <laughs> named Australia. So and did she has uh, snored on our podcast before, um, you know, <laughs> no, uh, no uh, reflection on the content. However, <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn it over to Sierra, who will start sharing her screen from the museum. And Stephanie, let's see what we're going to look at today and what we're going to ask Andrew about. Well, Andrew, um, this this is going to be a little bit of a atypical show for me because, to be honest, I never thought about. Um, a presidential pet museum until Janine mentioned it a few weeks ago and that we're going to be visiting with you. So what I would like to do with your okay is to allow you to just go ahead and start talking and I might interject um, here and there just to um, kind of um, help set some things up. But sure. honestly, you have a lot of information to share and I, I just... Um, we're so happy to have you with us. So, so go for it. Yeah. 
No, uh, no, that that's great. Um, well, I'll start with sort of the history of the museum. Uh, currently, we're currently we are online only. Um, we were looking for a permanent home, but then the pandemic happened, and uh, you know, so eventually we're hoping we're hoping to open up a an actual storefront location somewhere in the Baltimore D.C. metro area. Uh, Bill Hellman, the director, and I are both in suburban Baltimore. Um, the museum was started by a woman named Claire McLean in 1999. She got the idea to start this museum because she was a dog groomer, specifically for Bouvier de Flanders dogs. And in the 80s, Ronald Reagan had a Bouvier de Flanders dog named Lucky. And Ms. McLean was brought in to, to groom this dog. And apparently, by her description, there was like a little shed off to the side of the White House. I can't even imagine a shed on the White House property. But they had, they had a shed where they would bring her and they would bring this dog and she would groom the dog. And uh, the Secret Service would watch her the whole time. And then at the end, she got the idea to scoop up and save the dog hair, which she took home and made into mixed media art paintings. And... Um, that's wow. rather unusual. Yeah, <laughs> then, uh, I thought the... you were going to say sweater, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a bouvier and the amount of hair they have, that you could probably be a sweater. <laughs> you could get a sweater after a while. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, no. Lucky didn't get to stay at the White House for very long because he was um, like, re you know, if you know bouviers, they're large dogs and they're very <sighs> powerful. There's a there's a famous picture of. Ronald Reagan being dragged across the lawn by Lucky while Margaret Thatcher laughs at him. Oh um, they eventually decided, like, uh, this dog isn't the right energy level and temperament for the White House. So Lucky went to live on the Reagan's ranch in uh, California, and they ended up getting a Cavalier King Charles. But this had planted the seed in Ms. McLean's mind that she was really interested in presidential dogs, uh, you know, sort of connecting herself to the long history. Um, and she began to research this. And in 1999, she started this museum out of her house. And uh, that worked for like a few days until uh, she advertised it. And then a tour bus showed up at her house and people were lined up around the block to come into her home. And she decided, well, we should probably have a different place. Uh, so they were in Williamsburg, Virginia for a while at a place called President's Park. Although my understanding is that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, in 2017, Ms. McLean, who is in her 80s, decided, um, you know, might be time to pass the torch. And she found Bill Hellman, who's a dog adventurer. He, he has these huskies that he goes out and he attaches them to a bicycle and they pull him. It, it's oh really <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, well... You know, he discovered that Huskies have so much energy, but they don't want to fetch. They don't want to tug. They, they just want to pull things. And so he figured out how to attach them to a recumbent bike. And he they take him out on the trails and they, they pull him like on the CNO Canal Trail and, and things like that. Um, very interesting. So he's really into dogs. And he heard about this museum being available and he took it over. And then I, I was brought in and he said, well, you know, you can you can give yourself any role you want at the museum. And I said, Oh, historian in residence. That sounds really pompous. So it was kind of funny <laughs> to me. Uh, and so now I'm the historian in residence. And I, I have to like explain that every time I give an interview, like, no, I don't actually reside anywhere. It was just me making a joke. But here we are, um, <laughs> you know, four years later. I, I was only um, I, I started in the middle of 2017 and President Trump did not have any animals in the White House. And so for for the first several years, I thought I knew what this job was like oh, a couple hours a week, maybe writing a blog post or, or doing the a stray interview here or there. And then when uh, President Biden was elected in November, all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting like 
three or four interview requests a week and there's all kinds of craziness going on. I mean, it's been insane. Um, people, it's interesting to see how much people love presidential animals. And mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I hadn't given a lot of thought to prior to becoming the historian. Uh, although I should say that um, when I was a kid, uh, Barbara Bush published Millie's book, which was supposedly oh. told to her by her English Springer Spaniel Millie. And mm. I got that for Christmas in like 1991 or 92. Oh, um, so that, that, that was some foreshadowing that I wasn't aware of at the time. Um, <laughs> and I also remember the very first book I ever checked out of my elementary school library was about one of George Washington's dogs, Vulcan, stealing a ham from his dinner table and running <laughs> away to the kennels to eat it. So I have this connection going back that I didn't realize until, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and then this sort of falls into my lap and, um, <laughs> and, you know, and then you sort of realize, yes, I, I, I do find this interesting. And, and I have thought about this way more than I ever realized I had thought about it. You know, you think about the Barney Bush and the Obama dogs and socks, mm -hmm. the cat and then all the presidential pets in our lifetimes. And, you know, the media gives them a lot of attention. And so whether you know it or not, you actually probably have absorbed a lot of presidential pet information. Well, and uh, I, I'm sorry, I've just been rambling here. Oh, but no, no. Um, oh, that's that, 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 that is quite all right. I think that really sets uh, the stage, though, because you, you know, you're you were the historian in waiting, and now you're the historian in residence. And I'm sure we have a lot of, of interesting um, presidential pets to cover. Uh, what I would like to do before we delve into more is uh, ask Sierra to let us know uh, what's being shared on screen. And then Andrew, we can maybe, if you uh, would indulge us, maybe suggest some of the online content that Sierra can, um, can share sure. so that our um, um, uh, audience that has vision can also see as, as we're talking. That okay. sound okay? okay? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I have the Presidential Pet Museum website up, presidentialpetmuseum.com. And at the top of the page, in the middle of the page, there's kind of an emblem, a round emblem, um, with the White House uh, behind it. And inside the emblem, it says the Presidential Pet Museum. Um, and then it says, Oh, sorry, the Presidential Pet Museum seal and then First Pets of USA. And inside the seal, there's like a dog's paw print. Um, and then there is a white dog. It kind of looks wolf-like, so maybe it's meant to be a husky. Um, mm -hmm. And then the background, there's an outline of the United States with the American flag in it. Um, and then it says, it's a little small, but it says E Plurbius Unum. Okay. Um, which I suppose is probably Latin there, and a little American flag at the top above the seal. Then there's a menu below that. Um, in the menu, it's a drop-down menu, so we have museum, and then there's more uh, subsections below that. There's White House Pets, and the subsections are uh, kind of organized by years. Then mm -hmm. there's the blog link, uh, Facebook, trivia, and gift shop. Oh, um, always a gift shop. Gift yes. shop. Yes. <laughs> if you have a museum, you have to have a gift shop. Um, um, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And so then below that, uh, the background of the white uh, website is kind of like a soft medium blue color. And then there's some posts um, with headers. So the first one I see on the page is learn out all about US presidents and their many pets past and present. Um, and there's like a written area below that. Um, and then it talks about presidential pets and has some highlights under there. And then there's another header below that that says in the news. Um, and there's some links to, um, looks like a different news, uh, like Time Magazine, Delaware Today, Washington Posts. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see, it says, check out who we've been talking to. So those are what those are, links are ah, for. It's all those interviews Andrew's been doing. Yeah, those, <laughs> those are the interviews I've been doing, yes. And if you... Awesome. If you get a chance at some point, the uh, the Time Magazine piece is really good. Um, they did a nice job with that. And it's it's me and somebody from the Delaware Humane Society talking about um, Joe Biden being the first president with a shelter rescue dog uh, in the White House, which is which is Major, his German Shepherd. Now, Major was just recently in the news for uh, nipping a Secret Service agent um, and <laughs> It was reported on CNN like he ripped the guy's arm off and, you know, like he's now banned from the White House. And, and the White House kind of backtracked on that and said he did bite somebody. It didn't break the skin. The agent, you know, was treated and then went about his duties. And uh, the, the dogs went to Delaware for a little bit of training. They'll be back. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> uh, this wouldn't be the first time this has happened, though, because uh, Theodore Roosevelt had a uh, had a dog named Pete, uh, like either a bulldog or a bull terrier. And mm -hmm. uh, Pete uh, chased the French ambassador up a tree and ripped his pants off. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> which led to a formal complaint from the French government, which led to Pete being sent away. You know, like you can't live at the White House if you're ripping the pants off of the ambassador, Pete. Oh, um, Andrew, I I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I what I'd like to do, since you mentioned Major, and, I, and I'm sure we don't have a internet content for the French ambassador's story. Can we pull up a picture of Major? Yeah, absolutely. There's two dogs, right? Is that uh, yeah? He has correct? Major and Champ. He's had Champ since tw uh, 2008. Champ uh, joined the Biden family after the election uh, to vice president, and then uh, Major joined in 2018. If you go to the menu and go to White House Pets, and then it kind of breaks down by era. If mm -hmm. you uh, if you click on 1953 to today, um, it should show you all the different presidents with uh, President Biden at the top. And then you should be able to click on um, major or champ or both and uh, see pictures. OK, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I see love that a description here. Of, of major and champ yeah. <laughs> and the French ambassadors. I was going to say, I bet <laughs> there's no picture of that. But no, <laughs> no, no. Awesome, um, <laughs> like, oops. You know, Frank, Franklin Roosevelt also had a German shepherd named Major who apparently was very nervous in the White House and had to leave to go stay uh, somewhere else as well. So maybe naming your ge German shepherd Major and bringing them to the White House isn't the the best, uh, you know, there, there's kind of an iffy tradition there. But For the aspiring presidents out there. <laughs> yeah, but in Zoomville. <laughs> but these dogs are adorable and hopefully everything will be fine. Um you know, German Shepherds are kind of a high strung breed anyway, which is why, you know, like when I was getting my guide dog, I did a lot of research on what kinds of breeds they use. And it said in, in my research that 
They don't really use German Shepherds as often anymore, in part because they can be very anxious and, and high strung. Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why so many places have moved to Labradors or, or other breeds. Uh, although I, I know hip dysplasia also is a problem with uh, shepherds, yeah. and that's one reason. They told me that at uh, Guide Dogs of America that they said uh, the shepherds didn't fail us, we failed the shepherds because we haven't been able to breed the dysplasia out. Mm, um, I see. But so, yeah, yeah Major is our first um, shelter dog in the White House. And I, I think that's really kind of indicative of, of um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the change in society in the last 30 or 40 years where more and more people um, are, are moving away from buying specific breeds and going into adoption instead, um, mm -hmm. you know, for ethical reasons, because, you know, you read about puppy mills and the things that happen. And, you know, I, it's just, it's a movement in our country. And I think um, you know, the presidents and their pet choices tend to be reflective of what we as the United States, uh, how we feel about our animals at, at a given time. Um, you know, if you go back to George Washington's time, they, they were basically hunting dogs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, people, didn't, people didn't keep their dogs in the house most of the time because if it was warm, your dog would have fleas and they didn't have medicine for that. You know, your dog stayed out in the barn or in a kennel somewhere. Um, you know, and then by the time you get to the early 20th century, we've started to create dog food so they're not having to eat table scraps. We're starting to, uh, you know, figure out some flea medication and treatment so they're inside more often, although you still have dog houses for the, for the summer months and that kind of thing. So, you know, the presidents follow all of these trends just like regular Americans. So do we have pictures there of Major yes. and Champ? Can you describe? I have that? one of Major up, and then there's also a link to Champ after that. Um, so the picture of Major is a very high uh, definition, high quality photo. The background's a bit blurry, and you can see grass behind him. He's running towards the camera, and he's got his uh, tongue out to the left, kind of like hanging out as he runs. It almost looks like he's got his uh, mouth is agape, so he looks kind of like he's almost smiling. He's got kind of like amber brown eyes, and he's a bit darker than most German Shepherds. He's mostly black, and then he's got some patches on his chest that are um, a tan, but almost like a cream color. Um, like he's almost white and black. And then under his chin, he also has that kind of cream color as well. Um, and then a black nose and a long fluffy tail and about, um, let's see, there's another picture here. He doesn't have super long hair. It's kind of like medium length hair. Um, and this other picture of him shows him um, on a field and it's a photo by the official White House photographer and he's also got uh, that cream color on his legs and belly as well because uh, you can see more of him in this one. Andrew, do you know uh, Major's height and weight before we move away to change? Uh, I don't know that. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to estimate a height on a shepherd but I, I know that they can weigh usually around 100 pounds. Um, so mm -hmm. They're, they're fairly large dogs. And, um, you know, given the, the size and the high energy, I mean, uh, some of you may have heard back in November or December that uh, President-elect Biden fractured his foot playing with Major. Um, you <laughs> yes. know, so that's, that's not surprising given, you know, the size of the dog and also the age of the president who is 78. So, you know, it, it, things tend to break a little more easily, um, you know, but <laughs> They, uh, you know, they're, they're very, shepherds are known as very loyal dogs. And, um, you know, that's, so I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why they, the Bidens love the shepherds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sarah, do we? Uh... 
I'm going to go back and find the picture of Champ now. Yeah. Right, Champ is go. also a shepherd as well. Yes, and he's, uh, I believe, 13 years old, maybe oh, wow. uh, 13 and a half or so. So he's, he's, you know, probably coming up on the end of his lifespan, unfortunately. But he, uh, he did live at the Naval Observatory with the Bidens when they were there um, for eight years. And he's, he's lived with them, uh, you know, in, in the years since in Delaware. And, um, you know, he's apparently a, quite a great dog. So yeah, we've got one photo of him on this page. Um, you can tell he's 13. He's actually lying down on the uh, same field, I think, where they were photographing Major. Um, he's got a bit longer hair than Major, and he's more of the traditional uh, kind of tan brown uh, mixed with black um, kind of areas. So his face is uh, mostly dark black, but then he's got some salt and pepper colors around his muzzle um, from aging, it looks like. Um, his tongue is out and he's kind of looking off to the left um, and then his ears are slightly back and it looks like the first lady's uh, leaning over him and stroking his back and he's just kind of relaxing on a partly cloudy day on the field. He's chilling. He's, he's, yeah. he's getting ready. He's going to retirement. Like, oh, Major's here. I don't have to work so hard. <laughs> yeah, let's just hope that Major doesn't get, uh, you know, get both dogs in trouble. You know, Major's <laughs> the one causing the problems, breaking feet and, uh, you know, nipping secret <laughs> service oh, agents. He's just a yeah. little high strung. He'll be all right. <laughs> well, you know, if you, think, if you think about being at the White House, uh, you know, like if you were an anxious person, let alone an anxious dog, I mean, the number of yeah. people coming in and out, strangers all the time, never any privacy, you know, it's got to be very, you know, nerve wracking um, yeah. for a dog. So I can understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Andrew, do you have any suggestions as to uh, how we should proceed? You want uh, let's, forward let's, back back? let's go back to that menu to White House Pets. And I believe the era before 1953, I don't remember the exact years, um, but we want the section that's right before 1953, because I think that'll also cover the 1920s. And I want to go to Calvin Coolidge. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, 1889 to 1953. Okay. Yeah. There'll be a lot of stuff for us to talk about here between oh, yeah. Coolidge <laughs> and, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and, and some others. But I, I want to go to Calvin Coolidge because one of my favorite White House pets is a raccoon that he had Yay! named Rebecca. Oh, oh my raccoon. gosh. Wow, he had a lot of pets. There's a list of all of his pets here. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt had the most. He had around 40. Uh, Calvin Coolidge had a couple of dozen. Now, some of these never lived at the White House. Like Coolidge was given pygmy hippos by Harvey Firestone, the tire magnet. Oh and I don't understand why you would give a president hippos. Like it just doesn't make... <laughs> You know, it's like the world's deadliest animal. What are you doing? You know, it, yeah. Coolidge was like, look, just send them to the zoo. Thanks, Harvey. Great job. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the Coolidges were known for having lots of pets. And uh, Rebecca's a really interesting story because she was never intended to be a pet for the Coolidges. She was sent to them by a supporter from Mississippi. And the supporter intended Rebecca to be their Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, oh. Now, I don't know if that's something people traditionally did in Mississippi in the 1920s or if it still happens that people eat raccoon. Um, because we didn't have the refrigeration at the time and transportation was slow, you know, you couldn't kill the raccoon first. You had to send a live raccoon and have it killed when it got there. And when the Coolidge's opened the package and saw this raccoon, they were like, mm, we can't kill her. 
And they, they kept her. They named her Rebecca. They bought her a collar that said White House Raccoon. And they even took her to the White House Easter egg roll, although she apparently, you know, like tore up somebody's stockings or dress or something, you know, because she's a raccoon, you know, uh, not really a docile uh, housebroken animal. Um, they did build her a habitat in a tree outside the Oval Office so that Coolidge could, uh, you know, look at her occasionally while um, he worked. And they, they got her a male raccoon named Reuben, but Rebecca just wasn't into Reuben. You know, like she started trying to run away from the White House once Reuben came. So, uh, you know, not all love matches work out. Um, there was no e harmony there. Yeah, it was more like married at first sight and it just didn't, just didn't pan out. Can we get a description of Rebecca? Yeah, I see two pictures here of Rebecca. So the first one underneath the photo, it says Grace Coolidge with a Rebecca, a cherished pet raccoon. Um, the photo is kind of a black and white sepia tone uh, photo. And it's a close up of Grace Coolidge kind of looking off into the distance, uh, her body kind of half turned towards the camera. And then she's holding Rebecca and you can see Rebecca's face, uh, one of her paws and part of her back. Um, so she's about like kind of like the size of a large cat. She's got uh, black stripes going from uh, each eye towards out towards the outside sides of her face. Um, she's got a white snout, white whiskers, and then I presume she's probably gray since she's a raccoon, except the photo is mm -hmm. black and white. Um, so she has very little paws. They almost look like little hands, um, very like rodent-like feet, and then small little triangular ears. And her face is kind of... Uh, going out from the cheeks like the hair kind of stretches out from the cheeks so it's kind of looks long um and wide and then there's another photo of rebecca and that's like kind of her full body it looks like it was probably in like an oval frame um and she's standing up and she's very chubby she's got a very rounded body and especially towards like the back side of her body and then on her tail um it's kind of like a fluffy tail and then she's got black stripes um, going across her tail. <laughs> just, I mean, I just can't imagine. Uh, now it would actually be illegal if a president tried to keep a raccoon within city limits yeah. of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, you know, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, about how the way presidents interacted with animals sort of mirrored the country at, at the time. I mean, this was a period where people were into really exotic animals, things that now we would never consider as pets. I mean, I've, I've read stories of people going door to door selling monkeys. You know, a lot of people had pet alligators, which is where you get that urban legend about, you know, in New York, the sewers are all full of alligators because people would flush them down the toilet. Um, you know, just things that we don't do today, um, you know, or that wouldn't be legal to own today. And, and the raccoons uh, would be one of those things. Um, I want to take us back to the Cal the main Calvin Coolidge page. So if we I hit the back button once mm -hmm. and you see the list of Calvin Coolidge's pets, uh, let's click on Rob Roy because there's, uh, you know, he was probably the most famous Coolidge pet. Uh, they had two white collies, Rob Roy and Prudence Prim. And uh, the Coolidges were so associated with these pets that actually Rob Roy appeared in Grace Coolidge's um, first lady portrait, her official oh. White House portrait. And that that's the only time, as far as I know, that a presidential animal has appeared in the official portrait. Um, you know, but like I said, these were just 
sort of uh, Coolidge's trademark animals, and they were known as animal lovers. So, um, you know, it was quite a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, what is Rob Roy in terms of... I oh, breed. I, I'm I, sorry. I didn't say the breed, did I? No, I uh, he, alligator, crocodile, <laughs> dog. Rob Roy was a, white, was a white collie, and so was Prudence oh, Print, like an entirely you, white collie. I'm sorry. I should have... No, I think you may have said it. I was just so taken with the other things. <laughs> now, is that the dog that's on the seal? That's no, the no. The dog that's on the seal is a husky because Bill uh, Bill Hellman, our director, uh, loves huskies. Um, although uh, there's a picture somewhere of Warren Harding with sled dogs, like being pulled by huskies. Oh he was the first president to go to Alaska and he got pulled by huskies, but he never owned any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Rob Roy is a... I'm sorry. It's a white collie. Oh, and, oh my gosh. Wow. And yeah, we have so a picture of Rob here if you'd like a description. Yes. Um, so uh, underneath this photo, it says President Coolidge, his wife Grace, and one of their white collies, Rob Roy, circa 1925. Um, so Coolidge is standing on the left and Grace is standing on the right. Um, he's got kind of a stern expression on his face his hair is kind of combed uh back combed towards the back of his head and then he's wearing uh kind of like a cream colored or tan like light suit um and then uh we've got grace and she's got kind of like a looks like a robe uh kind of it's like a dress with like a tie around the middle and then a very mm-hmm. long hanging necklace it very looks like very 1920 style which makes sense for the time and her hair is in an updo on top of her head and then in the middle um it looks like grace is holding the leash and then we see um rob roy and rob roy is looking at the camera uh panting with uh his tongue out and he's kind of squinting so maybe it was like a sunny day and he's got a lot of hair um, on his chest, like extra long hair, kind of like a mane. Um, but he's completely mm-hmm. white and his ears are back in the photo. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely yeah. like a friendly uh, dog stance there with the tongue out and the ears back and the squinting eyes. And then there is, let's see, there's, oh, okay. And then here's actually an image of the painting of the presidential portrait of the first lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says Rob Roy is immortalized in this painting with First Lady Grace Coolidge. It hangs prominently on the south wall of the China Room in the White House. It was said to be Jackie Kennedy's favorite White House painting. And this painting is very long. Um, it's kind of just like a very tall painting and narrow. Um, and then it shows Grace and she's wearing another dress in that style from the photo, except this one is kind of like a orangey red color. The painting is done, it looks like oil painting and it's very um, impressionistic. So there's a lot of like strokes that you can see in the painting as opposed to photorealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some trees behind her. You can see kind of the uh, outline of the White House behind her. And then Rob Roy is sitting uh, to the left of her. She's uh, Grace has her arm kind of out towards Rob and her hand on Rob's head. And Rob is looking up at her um with his tongue out again and then a lot of white hair coming from his chest and his belly and a very long fluffy tail and he's sitting uh, right next to her um adorable it's it's a wonderful picture um just a gorgeous painting Mm. there's actually another photo of rob roy down here um so the next one says president coolidge plays with rob roy october 31st 1924 um, so that one shows Coolidge in a black uh, 
tie suit. Um, he's out on the White House grounds kind of in a field. And then um, it shows some people standing off in the distance behind them. And Rob Roy is actually standing on his hind legs um, towards Coolidge and Coolidge is holding up his paws. So they're both kind of standing um, across from each other, um, which is quite That's sweet. Cute. <laughs> They look like they're dancing almost. Like they it's, do. Uh, I was gonna say, it sounds like they're like a little dance. Pose. And Rob Roy is pretty tall. He comes up to like probably like the upper chest of Coolidge. I was gonna say oh, Coolidge is pretty legs. tall himself, as I remember reading. Yeah, so. I believe so. Yeah. So he's a kind of a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can just imagine how much of that white hair ended up all over. Oh my. Oh, that suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They had probably lots of people there to do all the lint rolling and. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their their dry cleaning bills from the White House in that era were were extremely high. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so you know, there are lots of things to talk about. And, and now my mind is kind of wanting to take you to places where I know there are specific photographs, as opposed to you know, if we go too far back in history. We don't have a lot of images of the presidential pets. You know, we just have more representational pictures like Benjamin Harrison had opossums. We don't have a picture of the opossums. So I, I think on that site, there's probably just a picture of a random opossum, like a stock photo. Um, so that's a little less interesting. So um, I do want to just talk about Teddy Teddy Roosevelt for a minute. And we don't have a lot of pictures of his animals. Um, there are some, but, uh, you know, we're turn of the century photography and and Aww. you know you had to sit still for so long mm -hmm. in the, in 1905 to get your picture taken that there aren't very many of, of the pets right um, but teddy had around 40 animals uh, he had many dogs he had uh, flying squirrels his kids had snakes um oh. there's a great story that one of his kids i believe quentin went to the local pet store and bought five or six snakes and brought them into the White House. There was a cabinet meeting going on. He just ran in and dumped the snakes on the table, uh, which caused all the cabinet secretaries to freak out and run away. And then he and his dad had to like pick the snakes back up and, you know, recover them. And apparently by that point, a couple of the snakes had started fighting each other. Uh, and Quentin was instructed to take the snakes back to the pet store and get a refund. Um, <laughs> but, but Teddy Roosevelt was a naturalist, uh, you know, sort of, that was his hobby. Um, you know, people think of him as a hunter and he was, but one of the reasons why he did so much hunting was because in those days, that's how people studied animals. You would kill the animal and then bring it back to your museum or wherever, and you would st stuff it and you'd study it and then you'd get to know it in, in that sense. They didn't have a lot of the Jane Goodall, like sit out in the woods and observe kind of naturalism. Um, you know, so he had grown up doing his own taxidermy as a child. Uh, you know, oh. which must have been terrible for like the Roosevelt's maid back in like the 1870s, oh, yeah. you know, like, yes, <laughs> there's this like 10 year old kid stuffing like rodents in his bedroom, you know, and nice. just like, like yeah. stuff that I would not allow my children to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> my favorite Roosevelt pet, and I wish we had a picture of this, we don't. Uh, he had a badger named Josiah. Oh uh, it, was, it was given to him on a campaign stop. He's, he's riding around the country in a train doing the whole whistle stop thing. You know, he stops at a place in Kansas and gives a five minute speech. A little girl comes up with a basket and says, Mr. President, would you like a badger? And, you know, he just says like bully and takes the badger. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he writes his son a letter saying like, I was just given a badger and it bit me. How wonderful. <laughs> you know, and it, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> you know, which, 
if a badger bit me, well, first of all, I'm not taking the badger. But secondly, <laughs> once it bites me, I, the badger gets released back into the Kansas plains. I, you know, I'm not, but he brought it home and they built a habitat for it in the White House inside, and it lived oh, there for a little while sure. before eventually becoming too destructive and and having to move to the Rock Creek Zoo, which is now the the National Zoo or the Smithsonian Zoo. Um, so that's Teddy. Um, <laughs> um, wait, if, if wait Andrew, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> before, before you go further, let me ask Sierra, this is the beauty of Ira. <laughs> we can be anywhere in the museum and stop, wait, <laughs> Sierra, can you do an internet search for a picture of uh, maybe the badger. We, we have to find out if there or a picture of a badger so we can kind of see the, these things get like, they're a little bigger than raccoons, as I recall. And they yeah. are super destructive. So <laughs> raccoons. And, and, and that a and, little girl gave him the badger. <laughs> Where did this little girl get her badger? And what were her parents thinking? You know, like, four. Yeah. And what did the Secret Service think? And, you know, like, you're rolling up to the president with a badger. You know, like, now you'd get tased. They, they wouldn't be, yeah. you know. Tased. <laughs> you'd be lucky to get tased if you showed right. up with a badger. There is actually a picture on this site. It's probably not the badger, but if it's of a child holding a badger. Um, it looks like a child who's probably around like seven or eight, a little boy, and he's holding a badger. Um, but it's old black and white photo. Um, oh. The boy's got white shorts and just like a white button up, it looks like. And then he's holding the badger in both of his hands, like uh, each hand from left to right is holding underneath the badger's stomach. And then the badger looks not super comfortable because its hind legs are like <laughs> kind of reaching up towards where the kid's hands are. Um, and it's the position the badger's in now, he looks very wide, um, like almost circular, but also very flat. And that might be the way that the badger's contorting. And then he's got kind of like a stub tail. It's probably about like five inches um, and it's got gray hair on it. And then on Google, I have another more close up picture. It looks like there's some different types of badgers, but let me look up like American oh badger. Yeah. Oh and I know there are tons of memes about like the honey badger, like honey badger yeah. don't care. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> the meanest animal in the world, supposedly. So, yeah, yeah. is a, a badger. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So bad. the American one, um, according to Google, seems to be um, kind of <laughs> like looks like about raccoon size, but like wider. Um, it's gray and then it's got black feet and its feet are very short and kind of chubby. Um, so it's very low to the ground Ooh, and then it's face, okay. um, it's kind of like a rodent face. So it kind of oh, comes God. to a point at the oh, end. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's making it worse and worse. It? <laughs> it really is. So it's face, it's got kind of a big nose, a big black nose, which is cute. Um, and then <laughs> down the uh, middle of its head, there's a white stripe and then down uh, from each eye to the mouth, there's a white stripe on either side as well, followed by a black stripe. So their faces are like black and white. And then they've got really short rounded ears that are very hairy, um, but very small. It just isn't getting any better for me. <laughs> <laughs> very skunk-like to me, except for the tail. It doesn't yeah. the skunk tail. Like, okay. It's kind of like a skunk mixed with a possum or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, this is what you give the president. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I take it this is not what you want uh, 
for your, your holiday there gift. Um, no vouchers for So if we um, if we go back to the uh, White House pets page where you can see the eras and we're still in that same era of 1880 to 1953. If we go to Franklin Roosevelt, one of the most famous um, presidential pets of all time is Fala, his Scottish Terrier. Mm-hmm. And um, Fala traveled everywhere with Roosevelt, was sort of synonymous with Roosevelt. And actually, um, the Roosevelt uh, Memorial in D.C., there's a statue of Franklin Roosevelt, and Fala is actually memorialized in this statue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of my favorite things about Fala is that in 1944, uh, the congressional Republicans, or perhaps just the Republican Party in general, because they were running against Roosevelt for the fourth time, uh, they were trying to find some scandal. And they there was a story that began to spread that um, while Roosevelt was touring military locations in the Aleutian Islands up by Alaska, uh, they had accidentally left Fala behind on one of the islands. And they had to turn around this military destroyer and go back to pick the dog up at a cost of millions of taxpayer dollars. And Roosevelt um, brought this up in a, his very first campaign speech of that year, which I got to say, his first campaign speech of that season was in September. I wish we could go back to a time Whoa, when the yes. first time you think about presidential campaigning was September. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, not yeah, September yeah. of two but, years before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> September 1944. So like yeah. uh, six weeks before the election. Um, what is it? You know, so he, he brings this up in a speech before the Teamsters and he says, um, you know, I'm used to my myself being attacked and my wife and kids. They don't mind being attacked because they know it's part of the game. But Fala resents it. And his little scotch soul is furious. And, you know, like he just goes on and on, like with a comedy routine, basically, which you can kind of watch. You can watch this speech on YouTube and it it just made his opponents look really silly. I mean, he does <laughs> deny the charge, but like the first couple of times I watched it, I didn't even notice that he denied the charge. I just thought like, yeah, he's just sort of talking around this, but it's funny, you know, but he, he humiliated his opponents and won an easy reelection in 1944. And the Fallow speech is one of the most famous, um, you know, presidential animal speeches um, in history. Um, the only one that would be more famous is the checkers speech by Nixon and Nixon wasn't running for president at the time. He was just trying to stay on the vice presidential uh, spot for Eisenhower. Uh, Checkers, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, never made it to the White House because Nixon didn't get elected for another 18 years or 16 years after um, Mm -hmm. after that speech. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Fala, how how does Fala look? Yeah, Yeah, we've got a photo here. It's another black and white photo, of course. Um, And this photo is showing uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, in a convertible. Um, It's kind of close up on the passenger seat and the driver's seat and you can just see like kind of like what looks like a country field uh, behind them with trees Um, and uh, Roosevelt is wearing um, kind of a brimmed hat um, and he's looking towards the camera he's got glasses on as well and he's in the driver's seat and just kind of a light colored suit and then Fala is in the passenger seat. Um, Fala is kind of standing on his hind legs and uh, Roosevelt's holding onto him by his collar and Fala's paws are peeking over the side of the convertible. Um, So Fala is black and you can just see his paws, um, kind of his shoulders and then the top of his head. He's got a long face um, and the hair on his face is kind of a bit shorter and then he's got longer hair around the the, um, kind of top of his head and cheeks Mm -hmm. and body. And then he's got a short haired, very pointy triangular ears. 
Mm. Um, and it looks like from the picture that he's either probably dark gray or black. Um, and then there's another picture of Fala. Um, so in this picture, it looks like his hair might have grown out a little bit more. Um, he's sitting in some grass. It's a close-up of him. His uh, tongue is out and he's looking off towards the right of the photo. And then his pointed ears here, um, it looks like the other photo, they must have been trimmed because here he's got like tufts of black hair coming off of his ears. And his hair is also kind of uh, cascading down into his eyes a little bit as well. And he's got a little bit of a, a beard. Um, okay. Kind of a short tail. He looks kind yeah. of like he might be, it's hard to tell because there's nothing else in this photo, but it looks like he might be corgi size, maybe kind of like longer um, and like size. small medium. Yep. Yeah. Mm. They're a small, small dog, smaller yeah. dog. I and always I think, think of Jock a... from Lady and the Tramp, you know, right? Yep. Mm, <laughs> of course, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Andrew, it's... I have a question for you. Sure. Um, is, is it true that one of the presidents had a was it a crocodile? Is that? Ah, the alligator story. Yes, okay. the alligator story. <laughs> so there, there are a couple a couple things here. Um, Herbert Hoover's son did have pet alligators, but they never lived in the White House. They lived in a town home in the 1920s that would have been in D.C., but uh, this was prior to Herbert Hoover becoming president. So those alligators never would have made it to the White House. The more, the more famous alligator story is that uh, the Marquis de Lafayette, while he was touring the country in the 1820s, brought a, an alligator and gave it to President John Quincy Adams as a gift, and that John Quincy Adams kept it in a bathtub in the White House. <laughs> now, when I took over this job, you know, like we would talk about that, and that was like something we led with because it's an interesting story and people like it. And then we had a, a, a different historian contact us asking for primary sources, and like the closest we could find anything was 1870. And so nothing really contemporaneous with that with that um, time period. And wow. then Snopes got involved, and oh, um, and oh. Snopes determined that it was probably apocryphal. So I tell people like it's a great story, and I really want it to be true. Um, <laughs> You know, in part because I love the Marquis de Lafayette and in part because it's an alligator in a bathtub at the White House, yep. but it's along probably with, not true. Um, along with, with the gin oh, that they made in the bathtub too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably more likely. I mean, Warren Harding during Prohibition, I mean, like he drank like a fish apparently. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, um, okay. I, it looks like we, we have we, one more picture of Fala here. There was another link. Oh. Um, it's a pretty cute one. He's actually sitting in FDR's lap and the photos, it looks like the photo was taken from like the ground. So it's like looking up at them. And then you can see, uh, I believe it's that same convertible behind them. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just looking towards the camera. Mm -hmm. So Andrew, we're, we're running toward the top of the hour. And in the time we have left, we have about mm, maybe 10, 15 minutes, Janine, would mm -hmm. you say? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and, and we want to check out your gift shop, but is there one other place you'd want us to go before we move to the gift shop? Let's go back to the White House Pets page, and this time we'll click on 1953 to the present, and I want to look at my absolute favorite, um, you know, White House pet, which would be uh, John F. Kennedy's dog, Pushinka. And the reason I love Pushinka, it's just, it's an amazing story. Uh, the story goes like this. In 1961, Kennedy goes to Vienna to have a summit with Nikita Khrushchev from the Soviet Union. 
Um, and at dinner one night during the summit, Khrushchev is seating, uh, seated next to Jacqueline Kennedy. They're talking and he's sort of bragging about the Russian space program, which was ahead of the American space program. And he tells her that one of the dogs they had sent into space and brought back, a dog named Strelka, had just had puppies. And Jackie just kind of offhandedly says, oh, well, you must send me one of those puppies. And, you know, a few weeks later, this little dog shows up at the White House with a Russian passport, and, and her Aww. name's Pushinka. And they, uh, the FBI and the Secret Service have to like check her out for for bugs, uh, like listening oh, devices and explosive dumb. devices. <laughs> they they determine that she's safe. They bring her into the family. She eventually has puppies with one of Kennedy's other dogs, a, a Scottish Terrier named Charlie. Um, so the, there's a little Cold War romance going on there. <laughs> and then the the other part of this that I absolutely think is fascinating is, um, you know, Kennedy and Khrushchev have this backdoor exchange of gifts. Khrushchev sends um, sends a dog for Mrs. Kennedy. He sends a like something carved out of like a whale tusk for the president. The president sends back a ship in a bottle, like all this stuff going on behind the scenes that's not not um, publicly known at the time. I mean, p people knew about the dog, you know, but we, right. the, the level of backdoor communication was sort of unknown. And so there are historians who've speculated that this backdoor communication allowed them to step back from the brink during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, because all of their military advisors uh, in the United States and in the Soviet Union and in Cuba like a lot of the military people wanted to go nuclear. They wanted to just like, okay, we're we're going to have a war. We should be the first ones to send the bomb because uh, that way we can wipe out, you know, most of them. And like one of uh, the American Air Force generals actually said, like, if the war ends and there are two Americans and only one Soviet left alive, we win. And like that was the thinking of these military people. But, but Kennedy and Khrushchev were able to step back from that and, and maintain peace. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's hard to look at somebody who sent you a puppy and yeah. think like that person is evil. I should drop a bomb on them. Yes. You know, like, and also oh, wait, we can't drop a bomb on the Americans. They have our dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can't nuke Pushinka. Come on, guys. Well, yeah, we can't, we, we're not going to be able to get Pushinka back. And I mean, and, and right. after all, I've got the ship that's in the bottle. Yeah, I got oh, a ship in a bottle. You know, come on, guys. This is yeah. you know, it seems nice. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and that's the relationship. I mean, and yeah, maybe it wasn't your like best friend kind of relationship, but the fact is they had a relationship, at least cordially, they mm -hmm. had a relationship that, you know, might have saved um, some humanity the there. Yeah. It, that's it, it's like when we talk about separating the art from the artist, I guess, you know, like as a politician, you have to be able to separate your political opponent from their rhetoric and, and from their ideology and, and see them as a person, which is one of the things that I like about the Presidential Pet Museum, because you don't have to like Joe Biden to think his dog is cute or right. George Bush or, you know, any of the others. Right. It's about the animals and it's sort of an apolitical thing or it should be. I mean, I we try to keep it's it that way. <laughs> it's, it is fascinating. And I, I I just love the way you tell a story. I mean, you you could be on somebody's late night stand-up comedy <laughs> stage. Well, well, this feels like that. I mean, I, uh, I'm i really having a great time with you we, folks. We, we, try to, we try to keep fun. it, you know, entertaining. Um, you know, we've had content that that um, necessitated a little bit more seriousness, seriousness, but not to take away from that content, but there's shows like this one where, you know, honestly, we, we, we're just having a good time because this stuff is very uh, interesting. 
I thought it would be interesting. I had no idea it would be this entertaining. And I hope um, Zoomtastic land and um, <laughs> YouTubeville enjoyed it as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to ask you, Andrew, before we go to the gift shop, I have to ask you about my favorite presidential pet, which was President Ford's Golden Retriever, because I oh, love Liberty. Retrievers. Oh. And that was when I first learned about Golden Retrievers. And I was oh. like, oh, yeah. And now I've had four of them as guide dogs. So, <laughs> yay, yeah. waiting for Liberty my was a beautiful Golden Retriever, and she gave birth to puppies in the White House. Yeah. They built a special whelping box for her to have puppies. Yes. Um, mm. You know, and the, and the Fords were very good about like putting her up front like on holiday cards and things like that um you know they uh i i think she there weren't very many golden retrievers i think she might no. be one of the few just like i think the only labrador I, as far as i can remember is one named buddy that belonged to bill clinton yep. um, yeah the chocolate so even though these are near the top of our list in terms of popularity in the united states uh, they, you know, they haven't necessarily been the most common uh, presidentially. Yeah, mm -hmm. Goldens really weren't all that well known until the Fords and Liberty. Oh, and okay. yeah, that kind of, although they had been around since, you know, yeah. the, the 1800s, yeah. but they just hadn't really been that popular. And then, mm -hmm. wow. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, oh, should we go to the gift shop? <laughs> yes also just so you know i went to the liberty page and there are lots of pictures of her one of which is her posing with her newborn puppies they're in like a white box like a handcrafted box um it says susan mrs ford and president ford with liberty and her puppies september 16th 1975 oh, um, so and there is nothing cuter than golden retriever puppies they're so cute they're absolutely little fuzz balls of they're all little fuzzy goldy fuzzy looking <laughs> puppies or <laughs> i would imagine yeah Beautiful. yeah as i recall thank she you was kind Sierra, of a medium gold oh yeah oh cute okay so do you guys have masks <laughs> in the gift shop uh you know they're there might be, but I'm not sure. I, I know there are like shirts and mugs and um, they, they have some of them have drawings of different presidents and their animals with little like jokey slogans that you can blame me for if you don't think they're funny. Oh, excellent. <laughs> like, oh, there's one of Ronald Reagan with his dog and it says like it, it says Ronald Reagan. He got lucky. Um, <laughs> you know. Or uh, John John Adams had a dog named Satan. We don't know anything else about this dog <laughs> other than he had a dog oh named gosh. Satan. So was he was he the one that chased the French? <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, it's surprising that John Adams would have a dog named Satan, considering you know we're less than a hundred years removed from the Salem witch trials when he's yeah. president. Um, you know, but I so one of the mugs is like John Adams and a dog, and it says like John Adams, Satan was his best friend. Oh. You know, <laughs> like um, I don't I don't know that the John Adams Presidential Library would be too happy with me, um, but oh, no. you know. Um, so well, far, you're you not... say you were channeling uh, Alexander Hamilton on that. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> probably. Yeah, sit down, John. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> so. Looks like there's you know a, a shirt with the emblem. Oh, okay. Shirt with the emblem, cool. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. We we do have some more of the serious, uh, you know, for those who who don't like uh, their shirts to be so jokey. Um, 
<laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to have to pay a visit and take a look at these. Oh, these I'll have to have you back because there is, oh, I'm sure is a lot more. Too much I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface. I mean, there's yeah. so much more we could talk about and Absolutely. so many more. You know, we didn't get to Lyndon Johnson and his beagles, like oh the picture goodness. of him picking the beagles oh, up, by the ear. up by the ears. Ooh. I just remember like, oh, don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> Even in 1964, people were like, yo, don't, don't touch oh, the dog like that. Oh, Sierra has not seen this picture. She is too young to remember this picture. I haven't so. seen it. Oh my gosh, that sounds not not oh so good. Oh my gosh, so you have to go to the pet. So you've got to go to the pets page and show her this picture. <laughs> or poor He's Lyndon Johnson, the beagles. He's picking him up on the ears. He didn't oh even understand it was bad. He was yes. Johnson was like confused. Like, well, what do you mean? I thought he liked it. You know, like. <laughs> oh, no. He's a guy from like rural West Texas in the yep. at the turn of the twentieth century. Uh, you know, like. His understanding of animals and his relationship with animals would have been very different from uh, the average person. So I, if you're looking for that picture, I think it's him is the dog. Uh, Lyndon Johnson's beagle, him. Him. Uh, okay. Him and the dog. What uh, What year was Lyndon Johnson? Uh, 1964. So you're, right. you know, like right after Kennedy, but before mm -hmm. Richard Nixon. Gotcha. All right. Let's see. And, and Andrew, the Obamas had, is it what, water? Portuguese water dogs, yes. Um, Which, yeah, I don't. Supposedly know hypoallergenic, although I've also read that no animals are actually That's hypoallergenic. Right. Yep. It's just levels of dander. Yeah, okay. um, different. Yep, different. Yeah, hypo, the key. Yeah. Yep. Did, did oh you find gosh, the picture I there, see Sierra? The picture, yeah. Oh my gosh, you see. You want to describe it to people so they can leave on a note of yeah. rage. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so it says President Johnson caused a storm of protests when he lifted him by his ears. LBJ library photo um and so basically it shows him leaning over the dog who's like on some pavement on a leash um and then he's has one ear in each um in each hand and he's just like lifting the dog so he's standing on his hind legs and then it shows like four onlookers kind of like watching him um and like one of them or maybe two of them are smiling and then two of them kind of have their face in like a grimace um, <laughs> Um, yeah. But what is the dog's face? The dog, like? honestly, the expression on the dog's face looks like a pretty chill dog. Um, it's kind of got his tongue out and his kind of mouth is upturned, so I'm not sure what that's about. But this is the dog's first time being picked up like that. Yeah. You know? He's like, oh, what's going on? I'm getting attention. <laughs> yeah it, it's just it's just perfect Lyndon Johnson because everything you hear about him you know like uh, just in his personal life putting policy aside he was just so like rough around the edges yeah. and yep. you know like, yep. like, yeah. like having meetings with people in the bathroom and or like he would he had a car that was amphibious he could drive it into a lake but he didn't tell people that and he would take them out on his ranch and then just drive like 80 <laughs> miles an hour into the water and scare the crap out of the people that were with him. You know, like that's Lyndon Johnson. Um, <laughs> so why not pick the dog up by the ear? Why not oh pick the dog? Gosh. Yeah, this is just <laughs> how we live. It's just that big LBJ energy, you know? Yeah, there you go. Andrew, well, do you have a contact or should if people want to yeah let's, reach out let's to you let's, so let's do you guys your, have a let's plug page? you so you can get picked up yeah. on oh national TV. <laughs> well i uh I, I will say um 
I, I've recently signed a contract with HarperCollins for a book called Canines in Chief, which is scheduled to come out next January uh, on the anniversary or, or around the anniversary of the inauguration. So um, that's awesome. what I've been spending my daytime hours working on now. Um, but if people want to get in touch with me or, uh, you know, send me an email to ask questions, um, historian at presidentialpetmuseum.com. Uh, we'll, we'll take you to my inbox and um, like, uh, yeah, so historian at presidentialpetmuseum.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, I would love to come back if, uh, you know, well, we a year or two down the road, you, you folks want to want to do more uh, of this. We're not going <laughs> to wait that long. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, you let me know and I will I will be there. I will talk with Janine and, and schedule it uh, oh. because this has been so much fun. Oh, it you had a good time. We, we enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to follow up tearing the French ambassador's pants off, but <laughs> <laughs> next week, <laughs> it's an image that's going to be in my mind for a long time now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But next week is huge because we're going to Mars. Oh, yeah. We have Denna Lambert, who is one of our IRA explorers. She works at NASA as a project manager, and she is bringing with her one of the NASA astronomers and a project engineer from the Perseverance Rover Project. So if you have questions <clears throat> about Mars, about the Perseverance program, about anything having to do with NASA, um, we're going to have a special 90-minute show to talk about this. They're going to show us some videos and some photographs that maybe we uh, haven't seen before. We're also going to listen to some sounds from Mars. How cool. And that will be again wow. starting, <clears throat> excuse me, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Friday the 26th. So get ready because we're going to Mars. I said the, the graphic for this is going to be a little alien and a little Martian guy. And he's got his cell phone and he's got the Ira logo up there. And the little cartoon above says, you know, thank you for calling Ira. What would you like to do today? And the little Martian guy says, can you describe that thing out in my backyard? And you've got the, the rover in the background. So, you know, uh, we'll see what we can do. I don't think I can top uh, Andrew's Andrew's snarky pet shirts, but hey, you know, I'll try. <laughs> well, I, I am fascinated. I think I'll be back to uh, be a, an observer next week oh, uh, to, please, to learn about Mars. Do. This is going to yes. be great fun. And of course, with one of our wonderful IRA agents like Sierra to describe everything to us. Thank you so much, Sierra. This was thank totally you very fun. Much. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> and now that we've traumatized you with, with uh, you know, <laughs> with LBJ, thank you. Thank you so much again, Stephanie, as You're always, welcome. for your wonderful uh, hosting skills. And thanks, Andrew, for being with us today. And Ryan, pushing Yay, buttons in the background. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Thank so you, Janine. This is all good. On, yeah, everybody on YouTube and on Zoom. We will see you next week for Afternoon at the Museum. This has been Afternoon at the Museum from Ira. A description of life. For more information about IRA, visit www.ira.io.